Check out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. I am your humble host, David Vignola. This week, we're going to talk all about home studio monitors, speakers, and specifically more focused on subwoofers. And do I need a subwoofer in my home studio? What are my thoughts? Do I need one? Should I have one? What are the pros and cons? What should I look out for if I'm looking to add a subwoofer and just speakers in general? What is a good practice when we talk about our monitors for mixing and recording and specifically subwoofers? I'm going to give you my thoughts on that today. So sit back, relax, get yourself a cool drink, get yourself a pad and a pen and take some notes and stick around to the end of the episode because I want to give you a couple of free gifts right here on the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. Well, 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 everyone, welcome back to another episode here at the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. Thank you so much for joining me again for episode 48. This week, we're going to talk about subwoofers in the home studio, monitors, and we're going to talk about that whole subject. We're going to focus a little bit more on subwoofers because this question came up a couple of times in recent weeks. So I want to talk about subwoofers and I also want to talk about my experience with subwoofers and give you some advice. And then we'll also kind of tie that in with speakers and monitors because they all kind of go hand in hand. And some things you want to think about in your studio when we talk about your speakers and your subwoofers. So that's what we're going to talk about. But before we get started, I want to say welcome if you're new here to the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. Make sure if you are new that you go on out to homerecordingmadeeasy.com and get yourself my free mixing course. It's right on the homepage. You can't miss it. It's worth 50 bucks and it's my gift to you absolutely free just for visiting homerecordingmadeeasy.com. And if you want to get some of my other paid training courses after you take in that free course, and I'll bet you that you will, I want to give you a discount on some of those paid training courses, actually on all of them. But if you stick around to the end of the episode, because you have to do that, you got to listen to the whole episode so you can get yourself that special deal. And if you have any questions at all and you want to have some of your questions answered on one of our mailbag episodes that I'm starting to do now, make sure you write in to homerecordingmadeeasy.com. Email will be down in the show notes or in the description box below. So speakers and subwoofers. Okay. So I have been of the opinion and have said in many live streams and in many of my training courses and such, when it come, when these, this question comes up around speakers and subwoofers is here's what I try to tell people. If you're not sure whether or not, when the number one, what should you buy? How much should you spend? What is a good rule of thumb? So here's the first thing. Let's talk about the speakers. Let's put the subwoofer aside because they go hand in hand. Okay. So the first thing, before you even think about adding a subwoofer to your setup, I want to know, and you should ask yourself, well, what near field speakers are you using in your studio? Do you have a decent set of quality speakers? And more importantly than that, is it in an acoustically treated room? Okay. We're talking about for mixing now and recording, but more for mixing. If you want to, if you can have the most expensive monitors in the world, and if they're in an untreated room, you are never going to get your mix to sound consistent from one playback system to another. We talked about your mix translating in other episodes of the podcast. You can go search the archive for those specific episodes. So step one, before we talk about what kind of speakers you should buy, you want to make sure that you have an acoustically treated room. Okay, it doesn't have to be expensive, doesn't have to be fancy, but you want to have an acoustic treated room. So what you hear coming out of those speakers, and this is even more important when we talk about a subwoofer, 
that you could hear accurately what is really happening in your mix, okay? Gotta have that, okay? So acoustic treatment is important. Hugely important, can't get around it. You can try, people have tried, and you always end up coming back where good old Uncle Dave will tell you, make sure you have acoustic treatment. It makes a world of difference, okay? So let's assume that you've already done that or you're about to do that as soon as you're done listening to this episode, okay? That's step one. Now, when we talk about speakers and we talk about what kind of speakers you should buy, what kind of speakers should you use? Does it really matter how much you spend? Does it really matter what brand you have? In general, the answer to those questions are no. You can really use any brand and you can almost use any price point as far as the how expensive they want to get. As long as you put them in an, in an acoustically treated room and that you really spend enough time with those speakers to really understand what those speakers sound like, especially when you reference a lot of commercially released mixes so you can get familiar with the way those speakers sound, okay? Now, my opinion on that is, and again, I don't recommend, even though everything I just said to you in the last 45 seconds said that you don't, it doesn't matter how much you spend, you can buy any speakers. But I really don't recommend that, especially if you're someone who's new or newer to mixing and haven't developed a critical ear yet to be able to hear things and have your ears tuned. I tell people, look, man, every single decision that you make when you mix music is based on what you're hearing coming out of the speakers. And if you buy cheap, crappy speakers that are not accurate, you're going to have a real difficult time getting those mixes to translate well. Now, yes, you can spend enough time on them. And yes, you can mix on cheap, crappy speakers like professional engineers have been mixing on Yamaha MS NS10s for decades. And those are one of some of the worst sounding speakers in the world. And that was at one time the industry standard and still is with a lot of old school engineers, but they've been working on it for 30 years and they know them so well. And the old saying goes, if you can get your mix to sound good on a Senon NS10s, it'll sound good anywhere. And that's true. But for people in the home studio environment who really don't have 30 years to, to learn their speakers that need to get something accurate so they can start mixing right away and get good results, I would say you want to spend somewhere in the neighborhood of about $500 a speaker, $1,000 a pair. Now these are powered monitors, so they don't require amplifiers. That is a mid-price speaker that regardless of what company you buy, and it could be JBL, Focal, uh, you know, Cali, there's a whole bunch of them on the market. Mackie, it does Genelec, the list goes on and on. It's really a personal preference, but if you if you buy the $500 a speaker, $1,000 a pair set of monitors, and you put them in an acoustically treated room, you are going to get good results and you're ahead of the game and you're going to save yourself a ton of time because they're going to be more accurate, more detailed, and you're going to be able to hear things better. The more you can spend, the better. You'd be much better off getting an acoustically treated room and spending as much money as you can on your monitoring setup then going out and buying a bunch of fancy dancy plugins right away or a bunch of outboard gear right away. Get yourself a good set of, of monitors. Okay. That's what I would tell you to do. But can you do, can you mix on lower, cheaper speakers? Yes, you can. If you're willing to spend the time to really learn them. And every single student of mine over at like mixingmadeeasy.net, links will be in the show notes below. 
every single student of mine that started with a cheap set of speakers that finally took my advice and said, it's time for me to do an upgrade and upgraded, even just slightly upgraded. They would email me and tell me that they can't believe the difference and how easier it is to mix when they have a decent set of speakers. They heard stuff in their mixes that they never heard before. That's right. That's why I tell you to do that. Again, it doesn't have, you don't have to spend $10,000, 500 bucks a speaker, a thousand bucks a pair or more if you can. What do I personally use? If you don't know, I use the Focal Solo B6s. Those I've been using for almost 10 years. I love the Focal sound. It's just my personal preference. Those were $1,300 a speaker. I think now they're probably $1,500 a speaker because again, I bought them 10 years ago. They were a little bit cheaper. So I'll say $3,000 for the pair. So that's considered maybe an upper mid-range speaker. I love them. They sound fantastic. I know them so well that I just fell in love with the Focals and I just love them. Focal makes more expensive speakers than what I own, and they make even less expensive speakers than what I own. I'm a big proponent of the Focal name. However, you can use any speaker. That's what I use if you want to know. Again, you can buy everything that I'm talking about today at Sweetwater.com. Link will be in the show notes below or in the description box if you're listening to this on YouTube. And again, full disclosure that it is an affiliate link. So if you purchase something from there, I do get a small commission, but you don't pay a penny more and they have the best customer support in the business. So I don't care what you buy. Now, I'm not here to sell you a specific brand. I'm here to just tell you what I use and what my thoughts are. What you buy is up to you, but Sweetwater.com is awesome. Link will be in the show notes below. Thank you in advance. If you decide to purchase something, I love you for that. Thank you so much. And for all the people that have done that in the past, thank you. Okay, so that's what I mean when I talk about speakers. Now, when we talk about subwoofers, do I need a subwoofer? Now, my opinion has changed on this over the last 10 years. When I first started mixing, Prior to using my Focal speakers, I used Mackie monitors. The model number I used, I believe, was the HR824s, which they still make today, by the way. Um, and today, they're, when I had those speakers way back in the day, they were made in the United States, and they were made with wooden cabinets. They were an 8-inch speaker. Um, today, those are made in China or Indonesia. Or one of, they're made offshore, and they're made in more of a plasticky material type of a speaker. Um, and I've been told by people that are Mackie users that the old ones that I used to own were the much better than the new ones. But again, I also know people that use those new ones and love them. One of the more famous uh, mixing engineers that uses them, uses it and has been using them for years and swears by him is Billy Decker out of Nashville, Tennessee. He's mixed 15 number one country singles on Mackie HR824s or A24HRs, Mark IIs, I believe. You can search him out on YouTube. Great mixing engineer. So again, it's a personal preference is my point, and they're not very expensive, but he knows them so well and he loves them. At that time when I had Mackies, I had tried a bunch of different subwoofers. And when I first tried using subwoofers, I hated it. I absolutely hated it because it really screwed me up as far as being able to judge the low end. The subwoofers that I tried using back in those days were inexpensive subwoofers, the three, $400 subwoofer by companies like KRK, PreSonus, and I just didn't like them. It just screwed me up more than anything else. And I always thought, it's just me. It's really not the subwoofer. I just am not used to it. I'm used to mixing without a subwoofer, and I did that for many years. Because I also typically don't mix you know, a lot of dance music, rap music, those kinds of things. Most of the stuff that I would mix back in those days were rock, pop, rock, country, blues, where the real, real low end really didn't matter so much. So I got by with that for years. Upgraded to the Focals from the Mackies. The Focals only have a six inch woofer versus an eight. 
and I moved to a bigger space, not moved. I just, I um, remodeled my studio and I am in a much bigger mix space. When I was using the Mackies, I was in a much smaller mix space, mixing room. Now I'm in a much larger room. And when I went to that larger room, I wanted to, because the room was larger and I had a smaller speaker and I started getting into mixing more pop music um, along with all the other stuff. Um, and in pop music, especially in modern pop music, there's a lot of low end, a lot of 808 kick drums, things like that. Modern R&B has got a lot of real low end. And I was having a little bit of a difficult time really judging the low end properly on the focals. They go really low, but they don't go as low as the subwoofer. They're only a six inch speaker. And I thought, oh, geez, do I want to add a subwoofer to my system? I've tried this once before. I didn't have any luck. It would screw me up more than anything else. Um, and then I called and spoke to my sales engineer over at Sweetwater. His name is Aaron. He's a great guy. Aaron Smith, if you want to check him out and give him some of your business. Um, and I was talking to him about that. I said, you know, I really should get a sub, but I really don't, you know, I really just I'm kind of on the fence about it. And he had said to me, well, what did you try to do in the past? And I explained it to him and he said, well, what subwoofers did you try to use? And I explained it to him. He said, I think that could be your problem. He said, the thing with subwoofers is that two things. One, you want to try to, if at all possible, get the subwoofer that was kind of made for the two satellite speakers or the near fields that you're using. So in my particular case, if I'm using the Focals, you want to get the Focal sub that kind of was paired up with those speakers. That's going to help. And if you get the same make, brand, Focal, they're going to be engineered the same way. He says, the other thing about subwoofers you want to be careful of is when you buy an inexpensive subwoofer and you put them with a really good set of near field monitors, you're going to be disappointed, especially when you start to turn them up because those inexpensive subwoofers usually sound very muddy, very flabby. They don't really sound tight and accurate. And he said, so what I would suggest you do, Dave, he says, if you're going to try a subwoofer again, he goes, try an inexpensive sub. I'll send you an inexpensive $400 subwoofer. And then also, if you want to consider the Focal subwoofer that goes with those particular speakers, which is quite a bit more expensive. I think it's about 1500 bucks at the time. It's an 11 inch sub. He goes and try them side by side. He goes, what you're going to find is that you're going to find that with a more expensive, high end, more quality built subwoofer, it's going to be a lot more accurate and you're not going to have that kind of muddy problem or muddiness that you were experiencing. So I said, great. So he sent them both to me. I think he sent me a pre-Sonus I think it's called the Tumbler, which is about a $400 speaker. And again, this is not a knock against PreSonus, by the way. It's just an inexpensive subwoofer. It's a 10-inch sub. And he sent me the Focal 11-inch sub that goes with the solo monitors. Now, before I tell you how I set it up in the result, again, as I said at the beginning of this episode, acoustic treatment is so important when we're talking about mixing with monitors. It is doubly important when we're talking about adding a subwoofer. Because if you have a subwoofer in a low, in, a, in an untreated room or not enough bass trapping in that room, you are never going to get the low end accurate in your room. Okay, so we could talk more about that specifically. If you have any specific questions, you can email me. Or again, you can talk to Sweetwater. They can give you some guidance too on how to really make sure that you're on point with your acoustic treatment and specifically your bass traps. And it has everything to do with the size of your room, the shape of your room, and the placement of that subwoofer. Because if you don't get that right, you are going to have a hell of a time getting this sub to sit in with your near fields and sound the way you want it to sound without screwing up the low end on you. So that's the first thing. The other thing you want to make sure you do with the subwoofer is that the temptation with a subwoofer 
is not only when you hook it all up is to go ahead and to crank up that sub so you really hear the bass and it's pounding in the room. That's a bad idea when you're trying to mix music. When you are listening to music for pleasure or when you have a client in the room, it's awesome. They want to hear the bass kick in. But from listening to music, you want to make sure that that subwoofer is set up physically between the two near fields, between the left and the right. So if at all possible, put that subwoofer dead center. You physically want that subwoofer so the driver, the front of the subwoofer where the speaker is, is at the same parallel as the two near field drivers. So for example, it may be hard to visualize this because you're listening to this and you don't see me on camera. Let's say your speakers, your, your speakers were say 12 inches off the wall, from, away from the wall, away from the wall, you're facing the wall, your mixing desk is usually up against the wall or near a wall. Let's say your speakers are 12 inches off that wall. So that means that the front of your speaker is say 12 inches away from the, uh, the wall. Okay, so the front of your near fields are 12 inches away. You want to make sure that that subwoofer placed on the floor is also 12 inches away. So when you, so the, so the drivers are at the same distance away from the wall. Okay. And they're the same, you know what I mean? So you have your near field on your left speakers, 12 inches away from the wall. The subwoofer is 12 inches away from the wall and the right speakers, 12 inches away from the wall or whatever. That's just an example, 12 inches, but you get the idea. So if you were to look down from left to right, the speakers are all the same distance away from you in the seated position. The other thing you want to make sure is most good subwoofers today will have a crossover point on that subwoofer. And if you have a good subwoofer, it'll have a variable crossover point. And you want to reference the user manual for both your speakers and your subwoofer to find out with your near fields, what is this, what, where can they, you know, how far down can they go from, a, you know, from, a, from hearing, you know, how much low end can they really handle? This will depend on the make, the model and the size of your near field speaker. As a guideline, I have my crossover set on my subwoofer at about 60 hertz, 70, about 65 hertz, I think it is. So anything from 65 below is being handled by the subwoofer. Anything 65 and above is being handled by my Focals. Now, you may have to have a higher crossover point if you have smaller near fields, say three and a half inch speakers or something like that. You may have to roll them off at like 100 hertz. So anything 100 and above comes through your near fields and 100 below goes to your subwoofer. So it really depends on the setup that you have. But there are some guidelines for you. So make sure you get the crossover point right. Make sure you get the distance away from the wall the same as your near fields. And the last thing I'll tell you is you want to make sure that the volume of that subwoofer is just enough to where you can hear it, but it doesn't overpower your near field speakers. This is the biggest mistake that people make is that they turn it up too loud. The purpose of a subwoofer when you are mixing music is just to be able to fill in the bottom end where you could hear it, you can feel it, but it's not overpowering to your near field monitors. The way I kind of judge it is if you walk into the room and you have your subwoofer playing, you shouldn't even know that there's a subwoofer in the room. It should sound like that low end is coming from your near field monitors. It should sound balanced. If your subwoofer is too much louder than your near field monitors, it is going to screw you up when you're trying to mix and you're not going to mix enough low end into your music. Again, now this is different than when you're listening for pleasure and such. You can rock out. You want the, the walls shaking. That's cool. But for, I'm talking about for mixing music. You want it to be balanced. Okay. And that is the hardest thing to do. Trust me. 
even I had it a little bit too loud. Now, a way that you can kind of check yourself is you can use something like um, Sonarworks or one of those room correction software where they'll analyze your room after you have your setup and you'll be able to see on a graph where how much low end you have. And I did that after I put my subwoofer in and I got things sounding good and all my treatment was in check, all my acoustic treatment, I ran the Sonarworks software to see how flat everything was. And everything was perfectly flat, except I had about a 9 dB bump at around 60 Hertz. My subwoofer was still a little too loud volume wise, even though I thought it was balanced. Turned down that volume just a bit and reran the software and it was almost perfectly flat. Okay, that's important. So once you have all that set up, I put the Focal next to that PreSonus. So I did an AB comparison, it wasn't even close. The Focal subwoofer, the more expensive subwoofer that was made for my near fields, sounded a lot more tight and accurate, had no muddiness, no flubbiness, none of that stuff. It made mixing with that sub a joy. And I was like, oh my goodness, I could finally hear what's going down on in the low end. When I used the PreSonus sub that Sweetwater sent me, it sounded boomy and muddy. Now again, that's a $400 sub versus a $1,400 sub. So you would hope that the $1,400 sub sounded better and it was more accurate and more pleasing to the setup. Of course it should be, and it was. So my problem with subwoofers in the past is I was always using inexpensive subs and they weren't set up right. As soon as I put an expensive subwoofer or a more high quality subwoofer and make sure it was set up properly, what a world of difference it makes. And now I can't even imagine mixing without a sub. It is perfect because it's not overpowering, it's not turned up too loud, it's just enough so I can hear the bottom end. And now my low end transfers or translates out of my studio into any system almost perfectly. So I have changed my opinion where I said, you really don't need to mix on subs. I had that opinion for a long, long time. Now I say, if you can mix with a subwoofer, if you get the right subwoofer and you set it up properly, it will really help you with the low end in your mixes, assuming that your acoustic treatment is on point. I can't stress that enough, okay? It's so important when you use a subwoofer. Now, the other thing a lot of people don't realize with subwoofers is they think, well, it's just really to hear the low end. Well, yes, of course it's to hear the low end, but you gotta think, remember the other thing that a good subwoofer will do is it'll also help you or help your near field speakers work more efficiently. Why? Because now that you have your subwoofer hooked up with the crossover frequency set properly, now your near fields are not trying to reproduce that low end because that's being picked up by the subwoofer. So therefore your near fields are gonna work more efficiently. You're gonna have a little bit more clarity in your low mids. You're gonna hear things in the, in the near fields that maybe you didn't hear before because it was being clouded up by a lot of the low frequencies and the drivers weren't working as efficiently, especially if you're using smaller speakers, anything less than say an eight inch woofer. Okay, so it not only helps you dial in the low end better and hear the low end more clearly and to get a more accurate picture of the low end, but it also helps the performance of your near fields. So do you need a subwoofer? And I say the word need in air quotes, you don't need anything. Is it helpful if you're trying to up your mixing game and you're trying to level up and take advantage of all the things that you can to get your mix as accurate as possible, the mixing with the right subwoofer paired with the right set of near field speakers in the right acoustically treated, or properly I should say, acoustically treated space is something you really wanna consider. Because my opinion has changed over the years, as I said. 
I used to say for years, you don't need it, you don't need it, you don't need it, and you don't need it. But it is much easier to get the low end right with the right subwoofer set up properly. And now I'm a big advocator of it, and I tell everyone, if you can get a sub, get a sub. But stay away from those cheap subwoofers. Stay away from them. I'm not saying you need to spend $1,500 on a sub like I did. Focal makes more high-end speakers. They're like in the Genelec price range. But something like Adams, you know, like the Adams, I forget, was it the AX7s or something, the ribbon speak, the ribbon tweeted monitors, they pair them up with an Adams subwoofer. I think it's like an eight or a 10 inch sub for like seven or 800 bucks that I've heard really good things about. I haven't tried it myself, but Adams makes really good speakers and good near fields. That might be something you want to try. Um, but I would not pair a really cheap subwoofer with a really good set of near fields. And I also wouldn't pair a really good subwoofer with a cheap set of near fields. I just wouldn't. So again, if you have like a, you know, a $250 set of, dollar set of speakers, you know, I would tell you before you buy a subwoofer, get yourself some better near field monitors. Okay. That's what I would kind of say if it was me, but everybody's opinion and mileage will be a little bit different. Again, speakers are a really personal thing as well as subwoofers are personal preference, whatever, whatever you decide to buy, make sure you could buy it from a place where you can return it if you're not happy with it. Going to listen to it in, guitar, in a guitar center or a Sam Ash is not the same as putting them home in your studio. They are going to sound different in guitar, in guitar center and Sam Ash. This is why I tell people buy things from places like Sweetwater where you can try them out in your studio for 30 days. And if you don't like them, you send them back. They'll pay for the shipping costs and they'll send you another set of speakers until you're happy. This is why I always tell people buy stuff at Sweetwater. Whether you use my affiliate link or not, and I appreciate you if you do, but I'm not telling you that because of the affiliate link. I'm telling you that because this is when you're picking out gear like this, you want to make sure that you're happy and you don't want to have to deal with um, a store or a, a company that doesn't have a good return policy. So if you are going to buy it locally in your area, make sure you understand what the return policy is so you can audition those speakers into, in your studio for a couple of weeks before you make a commitment especially if you're, if you're spending a good amount of money. That would be my thing. That's what I would tell you. Again, stick with the name brands if you can. Um, what you buy really doesn't matter. Again, I use Focal, but you can use, again, there's Adams and there's Genelec and there's Cali and there's KRK and there's Mackie and there's JBL and there's other ones that are out there and they're all different price points. But as I said in the beginning, make sure if you can spend as much money as you can on your monitors, because every decision you make in that studio is based on what you hear coming out of those speakers. And there is a difference between buying a $300 set of speakers and buying a $2,500 set of speakers. You are going to be much happier on the $2,500 set of speakers. I promise you that. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to. If you don't have the budget and you don't have the means to do that, you can get by with a cheaper set of monitors. But make sure you spend a lot of time with them. Make sure you listen to an enormous amount of commercially released music on them so you understand what a, what a commercially mastered song sounds like. And if you do those things, you are going to be 
okay with a more inexpensive set of speakers, but you're gonna, it's gonna take more time. And there's nothing wrong with that. Again, a lot of, I'm trying to be really careful here. You, you come to this podcast, you're looking for my opinion. Again, like I said, you, you, you know, you don't need to go out and spend a small fortune on everything if you don't have the means to do so. But I try to be honest with you guys and tell you guys what I really think. Trust me from someone who has used really inexpensive stuff to really high end stuff and everything in between. I'm just trying to tell you what works for me and what my experiences are. So take that for what it's worth. And again, if you have any other more specific questions about a specific brand or something, you can always email me. Again, link will be in the show notes below, or you can, again, you can talk to someone like your Sweetwater sales engineer and they'll be able to guide you as well. And you'll be able to find something that'll work inside of your budget. So that is it for this week's episode around speakers and subwoofers. I hope it was helpful. Um, let me know what you think by sending me an email and let me know what you think about this podcast episode or leave some comments below. Now, because you stuck around to the end of the episode, as I said at the beginning, I want to give you another free gift. So again, go out to homerecordingmadeeasy.com and make sure you get your free mixing course. It's right on the website there. It's a $50 course, absolutely free. And after you take that course, if you dig my style of teaching and you want to learn more about recording, mixing, mastering, EQ compression, so on and so forth, and you want to check out one of my paid training courses, I want to give you a coupon code. The coupon code is PODCAST30. Put PODCAST30 in a checkout. It'll take 30% off any one of the training courses on my website. Again, all the information is in the show notes below or the description box below if you're listening to this on YouTube. So thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode. My name's been Dave with HomeRecordingMadeEasy.com, MixingMadeEasy.net, MixingMusicAnalog.com, and Mixing Music Analog, the YouTube channel. My Lord, Dave, you're involved in so many websites. Yes, I am. All those website links will be in the show notes below. Go check them out. Like, subscribe, share. And until next week, I will talk to you guys very soon. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day.